0: Welcome to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2, DAB and online at radioreverb.com. This is the sound of your city, Brighton's non for profit radio station. I'm your host, Sam Thomas.
1: And I'm your other host, Lindsay Clay. Woo woo woo. Here at the Brighton Business Show, we believe that knowledge is power. Through tackling a variety of topics, breaking business taboos, and providing personal and practical advice, this show aims to empower listeners to create, make, and maintain better businesses in the city.
0: Lovely, Lindsay, this is our first show.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for this, Sam.
0: It's going to be awesome.
1: Mr. Sam Thomas, the legend, the man, the myth that is Sam Thomas hosting Radio
0: Reverb.
1: <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure all our listeners, I mean, who are they if they don't know who you are, first of all?
0: <laughs> very kind, very kind. Look, I'm Sam Thomas. I am the host of the County Business Talks podcast and founder of County Business Clubs, amongst some other business ventures as well. <laughs> um, but I love community. I love the business Um, community here in Brighton and Sussex in general and it's great to be on here and with the Brighton Business Show with the other (laughs) legend that loves community the woman the myth the, the woman <laughs> the myth that is connecting everyone in the city literally one
1: big human connector so I'm Lindsay Clay the founder of Connected Brighton your social concierge service helping to organise your diary to introduce you to other people places and products around Brighton and Hove and championing independent so I'm a Brighton girl born and bred and wanted to do my bit post-pandemic to help people make new friends and get the city back on its feet so I feel very passionate about the community here, and I've been overwhelmed by the support from the business community. So absolutely thrilled to be part of the business show here on Radio Reverb, helping other people create and make and maintain amazing businesses that give back to this brilliant community of ours. And together, Sam, we've got some really interesting topics that we're going to cover.
0: We have. We have. And we have, um, we'll tell us, look, introduce this first taboo topic, don't we? Uh, yeah. We're going we to We decided
1: about. listeners, are, well, we'll just go straight in. Yeah. We'll just jump straight in, don't beat and go <laughs> full <foot>. taboo. <laughs> <laughs> On part, the first one,
0: part of maybe the footballer in me. I'm, Let's go straight <laughs> yeah. in and we'll we're, 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 we're see what it's like. Go for it. But,
1: but we did say like, when we were talking about how we wanted to do the show, how we want to do it differently. Like what we were we going to give our listeners? And actually, there's some really interesting topics that are important both as an employee and an employer, mm. and especially for small businesses trying to tackle some of these kind of difficult topics, which we're going to run through over the course of the next year. Mm. We want to really be able to kind of give you the right tools to do the right thing for your business, but also your team. Mm.
0: And I think like, we, we sort of spoke about, offline, didn't we, about ultimately the, the personality side of it comes into it. People buy from people, business personalities and that side of things all come together, doesn't it? I think that's we want to tackle some personal subjects as well and, and how that relates to business. And I think that's going to be something really powerful, hopefully, that we're going to be able to get across. And like I said, help and support, support the businesses.
1: Absolutely. A fellow business owner said to me recently, you have to run your health before you run your business. I thought it was a really interesting point actually, if you're not at your best, I kind of know that if I haven't got all the energy, I'm not going to be a very good host at an event. So I've got to be really good at keeping myself fit and healthy and keeping that battery charged. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy when you're running a business. And we want to be able to be really honest and frank about that. I think, you know, we're not sat here going, we're absolutely smashing it, kids. And don't you worry, and follow us. You know, we're absolutely, you know, I've got it wrong tons of times. I said, you know, I've had to get it wrong to learn to get it right. But we're just hoping by offering our experiences and getting some key experts on here to also offer their experience and advice and top tips that we can really make a difference to people running businesses out there.
0: Absolutely. And I think that certainly from my point of view, running business nearly what? Uh, over ten years now in the city, I think like it is. It, we wear so many hats as business owners, and it is. It, it's not always people can see stuff on social media, and we put our highlight reels on there sometimes, and we're doing this, and we've got our big smiles. And actually, it is can be really tough as well. And we want to tackle some of them topics as well, don't we? And, yeah. and 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 like you say, just do what we can to hopefully support and. Uh, as many businesses as we can
1: so we're not going to shy away and this is a big one we've decided to go big on the first one so sam and i have both had experience of ivf so I recently wrote a post about what being infertile had meant for me as an individual. So it took me from being kind of married and working in corporate to then being single without children and starting a business. So my businesses are very much started because of the fact I don't have children and because of the journey I've had in terms of being childless. I'm very, very happy childless and I'm glad and for me it's been the best possible outcome. And the passion that I feel now for running a business is something I've never known I could feel before. But it was a long road to get here. Mm-hmm. And I put a post on LinkedIn recently to say, you know, I, I'm infertile, and actually, it's a really important part of my story. And but it's the chapter, not the book. Mm-hmm. But it's a really important chapter. And I've had nearly a hundred thousand impressions of that post, wow. which we talked about because you know you've had a flip experience where IVF worked.
0: You. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we went down a long route of I've been with my wife nearly twenty five years, and we'd gone down a route of miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, um, failed rounds of IVF, and then we now I've got two. I've got our twins who are going to be eight very soon. Oh my goodness! Um, which is pretty crazy. Um, but so we did have that amazing experience that come out of that but I think the great thing being able to talk to you is actually we've both got very different outcomes and yet both really positive stories from that and I think that's what I think is something that's really powerful that I know that we're obviously keen to, to share and, and we will be obviously introducing Carol Gillin smith from the Agora Clinic onto the show um, today to talk about this as well, aren't we?
1: Absolutely, and I'm really excited to speak to her. It's quite trigger It is quite triggering mm. thinking about back to that time for me personally, because there, at the time there wasn't really a lot of support in the organisation I was working with in terms of time offered fertility treatment. Mm. And I know organisations are getting much better at that now, and that's something that we want to really kind of get under with what do you do as a business owner? If you have somebody that is going through fertility treatment, mm-hmm. like how can you support that person and obviously still run your business? You know, what are your what policies should you have in place and how can we offer you the best kind of signposting to where you can get support for that? Because I remember running to get the number seven bus to get to your Agora Clinic, get kind of prodded, poked, and then run, and get the bus back, and get back to work, and still be like a fully functioning yeah. manager and doing and doing a good job. But you're so it's such a distracting process because
0: it is it's such an emotion. it evokes so much emotion, doesn't it, when you're going through the whole process of, uh, of doing that? And and like you said, actually having bosses and people there to understand um, or just be a little bit more understanding, knowing that you are and being able to openly go and talk about it, I think, is the Providing those things, and if you've got if companies have got policies in place to be able to to deal with that, then I think it's, it's, it can only help shortly.
1: Yeah, and we're in a very different world now. You know, when I was going through that, gosh, that was you know about ten years ago now. I think, um, yeah, would would in fact have been ten years ago about now. Mm. But then we were all working in offices, whereas now with hybrid working, yeah. hopefully that flexibility, you know, people and employers can be way more supportive, and people can just make up the time. Mm rather than having kind of rigid nine-to-five. But again, it depends on your industry. You might have front-facing staff. And again, like how do you
0: support them? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I think the other thing, that uh, by being able to just talk about this subject and talk about it really openly, actually, especially with your story as well, about how actually there, there is a different path and this actually can be a really positive one when you, when you do look at it like how, how you have.
1: Absolutely, because, you know, for me when I, I n- never originally thought about this being part of the story when I set up Connected Brighton, you know, Connected Brighton was all because it was in the pandemic, all my friendships had shifted, I realised the lockdown was going to end and I didn't have any evening friends because they all had kids, they were hunkering down or people were in new couples and all loved up and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got, I'm not going to have anyone to go and have like a dinner with and I really wanted to put money back into the city and that at first didn't feel part of my backstory which was obviously being, going through IVF failed IVF and then leading to my divorce but over time i just realized actually it was such a key part of why i was in this position because i don't because i'm single and i don't have children Mm. and when you're in your 40s and that happens it's not that i don't have a bunch of mates i can't ring people for a chat or go for a walk and have a coffee i can do all of those things but there's just something missing in my in my social circle and that's because my life hasn't kept the same pace to my peers Mm and realising that actually was quite a big thing and that's what has drawn people into connectedness because they can really relate to it the amount of other people, men and women who are in a very similar position either they also didn't have children but they might have wanted children or they're now divorced and they're sharing their children it's all people ending up in a social situation that they didn't expect which doesn't fit the social the social norm mm. and it's just spurred me on even more but i wouldn't i wouldn't have come up with this idea if i hadn't have gone through that tragedy mm. but wanting to do something positive from that experience and I always said like I can't have this story and not share it if it's going to help somebody else yeah. that's always been my you know the say you know we have that very similar ethos which is why it's very exciting to do this show together you know Sam is all about sharing stories you know your whole brand is everybody's got a story to tell yeah. and it's so true
0: yeah for me definitely like in the podcast, the last what 18 months or whatever, and I really, truly do believe that that we've ever got a story, and and those stories are what m- makes us, isn't it? and and, and they're just. But what's really interesting, again, back to your one, is that it's that's a chapter in your life, and I think that's the great thing about your story is that's one chapter, yeah. but it's not, it doesn't define you, and it's not your whole, um, your whole story. It goes on to something a lot more than that, and I think that's where it's something that's quite powerful. And actually, just again, it's back to the whole thing that we we really want to get out of this is actually just being able to talk about these things, and because actually society as a whole, we. Like you said we, we've spoke about it before that there's that there's the society what society says we should be doing at these points what society's expectations of us are and actually you've are proof that we don't have to do that and we can still be fulfilled and happy and live an amazing life by not and what the society's expectations
1: yeah like not not fitting in is a new fitting in I think yeah. but for sure like when I first started writing about my experience of infertility, it was on Instagram my Instagram is called not the blueprint hmm. And it's called Not The Blueprint because I didn't fit in because I wasn't 2.4 children. People didn't know, really know what to do with me, especially in my 30s when everybody was like having kids and getting married. It's like you're single and you don't have kids. It's like, oh, well, mm. we don't invite you to a couples thing because that'd be awkward for you. We don't invite you to things with kids because that will really be awkward for you, which mm. just felt like hashtag it'll be awkward for us. Okay. So where do, you, where do you kind of fit into all of this? Mm. And there does seem to be a narrative. Like when I talk about not having children and even on these LinkedIn posts, quite a few people are like, don't lose hope or speak to this doctor or it took me X amount of time or miscarriages and trauma before I finally got my child and I wouldn't be mm. without them and I'm so thrilled for those people that it worked for them but miracles also don't happen mm. and th- and that's okay too because there there is a life without children mm. there's not one there's not one linear storyline that you have to follow mm. but it still feels like we are in this kind of very antiquated you know it's like you, f- you meet someone it's like when you get married as soon as you've got married it's like when you're having kids mm. as soon as you've had one kid it's when you're having another mm. one and if you don't have them at all, it's like, why not? Yeah. You know,
0: what, what's wrong? Like, why? Is that? Yeah, yeah, what's wrong yeah, with you? Got, like,
1: yeah, yeah. why wouldn't you want one then?
0: But actually, I think the powerful thing is that that you you've through your journey, then you've you've consciously made the choice to go. Actually, I'm I, I don't want to have kids, and I'm okay with that. And that's the the, the powerful message I think that we want to really really get across. And I think actually one of the key things as well by hopefully talking about this more openly is the, the education side of things around it for people to look at from, from a younger age actually that you know fertility infertility there are going to potentially be issues in your life and i think that's when we obviously hopefully when we speak to carol as well we can get a little bit more insight into that about you know starting from a young age whether that's in colleges whether that's in workplaces actually that we go in and we educate people around f- fertility and that there is things about freezing eggs and those type of yeah. processes that can can be put in place which i think is is something actually really important as well because we didn't i know in our story like me and Kelly up until we was 30 we, we just thought well actually the second we have unprotected sex we're going to yeah, uh, we're going to get pregnant and we did and then we had a miscarriage and didn't have a clue and it really floored us and it was a really difficult then, process because of the lack of education around it because you you're, it's drummed into you I guess at a young age that oh you've got a if you don't use contraception once you're going to get pregnant like
1: immediately be, yeah immediately
0: <laughs> literally like that and yeah not quite the case <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: but that's because i had the same you know my family a very fertile mm. family Oh, the irony and um we just i always take it you know to take, make up my family that we're taking over the world one baby at a time because somebody somewhere is constantly shelling one out it feels like so i was really paranoid that i was like hyper fertile mm-hmm. and then to discover that actually i'm the opposite like i don't have the right number of eggs my the hormone that should be high is low the That should be low as high, like you know, there's nothing going on. And that's part of the reason why I think I don't crave children either, because I don't my hormones aren't designed to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So this is way easier for me than it is for other women, and and I totally, totally understand and appreciate that. But there is definitely something about like how do you change, how do you support people, how do you change the story? And so many people will have troubles. Like you said, that the education piece, you know, we are told that you will get pregnant straight away if you don't use hmm. protection which probably when you're 16 is true which you probably are hyper fertile yeah, it's yeah, 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 still yeah. a good message everybody there should be more about you know you're going to you want to have a career you know lots of women are, are working into their late 30s and then thinking about children as they enter their 40s in which case you know freezing your eggs could be a really good idea mm. things that guys can do to make sure that they're keeping healthy so that you know you've got your optimum chance you know there's some great statistics out there about you know the percentage of sperm that's sitting in the right direction yeah, <laughs> so actually you should shouldn't be able to have be successful every time in making babies but we're not told these facts and I'm really interested to talk to Carol and understand that from her especially as we saw that recent article that one in six couples will have problems conceiving Mm -hmm. and again it's helping to normalise that conversation as well there's a lot of press at the moment around the difference between mums and Mm non-mums and like the judgement and the shame and the social norm and the social conversation that's happening so this felt like really timely for us to talk about this and I'm really really excited to see what Carol's going to tell us if you've just tuned in you're listening to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM.
0: Okay, we are delighted to welcome the founder of the Agora Clinic, Dr. Carol Gillin Smith. Carol, how are you?
2: I'm very well, Sam. Lovely to come in today and talk yeah. to you.
0: Amazing. Look, we're delighted to have you as our, our first guest on our, our, our first show together, Lindsay. So, look, just for people, for our listeners that don't know, just tell us a little bit about the Agora Clinic.
2: So the Agora Clinic um, has been around for 15 years. It's based in Brighton with its flagship clinic in the centre of Brighton uh, around Dyke Road. And it has two satellite clinics, one in Eastbourne and one in Worthing. And we are the largest provider of both NHS and self-funded fertility services in Sussex. And um, most of our our work is around um, giving you the best chance of having a baby but also providing you with that much-needed emotional support every step of the way. Amazing.
1: We're really keen on this show that we want to empower anyone that's listening, whether you're running a business or you're working for a business, to understand how we can best support you. So from the angle of both an employer and an employee – we're all looking at you know how can we support ourselves through this process and how can we as business owners support both ourselves if we want to go through the process or employees that are going through it and fertility is an, an enormous subject and we already know we've not got enough time to cover everything but in terms of the advice that you would give you know if for people that are going through this you know how can employers help
2: that, that's a very big question and what I want to do is just sort of look a little bit at what do we offer uh, at the agora so we're we're really at the end stage we're offering the treatments the the fertility investigations and the treatments and often people have had you know a bit of a journey through the nhs before they they get to us and when they come to us they need time off work for appointments they need to have an understanding employer that's, that's going to understand their emotional needs and the ups and downs, the roller coaster aspects of that journey. Um, for the women or for those people who are having to take injections, they want a space at work where they can perhaps do that, not just go to the toilet between lunch breaks. A kind of, a, a, you know, an area that, that would be potentially good for that. They want to be able to have an open discussion, perhaps with their line manager or those around them about what they're going through so that they're not you know they're, n- they're not holding it all in. And potentially, if they haven't got NHS funding, um, they need some financial support, perhaps some sort of packages in place. Um, as part of the work, work workplace wellbeing,
1: it's really interesting for me as someone that went through the Agora Clinic and had a, f- a failed IVF process, which has been the best outcome for me. But going through that, I remember kind of hiding my needles in in my glasses case. <laughs> and if I was going out to a gig or a show or anything, you didn't you were really paranoid about carrying your your needles around in case someone thought you were shooting up. When I was just shooting up hormones, <laughs> there was nothing more exciting than that. But it's I definitely feel that, exactly like said, like safe space to be able to administer the drugs that you need to have or have someone who can do that with you, someone that you can talk to. Do you think that it's changing in the workplace, those kind of support?
2: It definitely has been a a remarkable three or four years, particularly since COVID, where I've been invited into the workplace to do webinars. So definitely companies are realising that this very much taboo subject Um, needs to be talked about in the workplace and and that's absolutely uh, fantastic because um, we, we can see the patients that get the support just how much happier they are because they say, "Well, it's fine. I've got I've got the time off work. Um, I've got a friend at work who's you know supporting me through this journey." Even if they, you know, in a happily married couple, having friends at work, having people who understand is great. And for the guys, actually being able to talk to, to some of their you know work colleagues about the fact that, that you know they're struggling to conceive is fantastic. So the first thing that I've seen happening is an opening up about the conversation and and the ability to have. Talk talks in the workplace is for me education is the first starting point and then some companies are taking it further and develop fertility policies which I think now really needs to be something that all businesses look at.
1: Talking about being a taboo we've talked about this Sam haven't we that we want to break taboos and and Mm. why is this such a taboo subject still?
0: Yeah I I completely agree I I think especially for the bloke's point obviously people know my story I've shared before but I, I you know, we went for IVF as well. We've come, we have we were successful. I've got the twins who are going to be obviously eight next week, which is amazing we had that process. But I, again, back to that lack of education, I think leading up to that was, uh, it was, it was something that we didn't talk about. And you go back into our 20s, just, we've spoke about it offline, haven't we, about, you know, from a contraception point of view, you go, what, we're going to have sex once and then we're going to be pregnant and i think it was that wasn't the process we had a long drawn out process because of there was a lack of education around fertility for me because people don't necessarily talk about it and again now only recent. Well, it was great like from a again from a bloke's point of view, i won't mention any names but a friend of mine who's going through um going at, through around at the agora at the moment um me and him went to lunch and actually talked about really openly and I thought that's great that we're able to share those conversations and I think the more openly we can do this then the the, the better surely.
1: Because that's the thing about being you know being vulnerable I found that in my experience of writing not the blueprint and talking about you know the fact that IVF didn't work for me turned out to be one of the best things for me not that it wasn't hard of course but the fact that I can talk about it enables other people to talk to me about it, and I recently put a post on LinkedIn to say infertility is a really important part of my story because it's led to these great things that I've done, and I've now had over 170,000 people look at those posts. I would normally maybe get a thousand. It really touches a nerve with people, and so many people, men and women, have reached out to me to share their story of not being able to have children, or how long it took them to have children, or well, now they have stepchildren in their life, and that has filled that hole for them but it still feels like it's this bravery that you have to you've got to open the door to allow people to come in and share that yeah you know if you hadn't have gone through ivf would that friend have felt so comfortable to say "Mate, i'm going through this
0: yeah no i I, I agree and i guess from your point of view just back to that education piece is it something we should be talking about like in schools or much younger like we're talking about obviously the workplace as well but do we go back Further than that, and this is the time. Um,
2: absolutely, I, I don't think there's. Um, it's too young to start, you know, at any point in school. And and certainly, there's been quite a lot work of work done by the British Fertility Society around, um, you know, developing educational pieces, videos to put into school, uh, young children, 11, 12, when they start to question, you know, reproduction. We 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 really can't carry on just telling children, you know about how not to get pregnant. I, I've recently been into you know, a couple of schools in Sussex and talked to teenagers about how they might never get pregnant. I've actually explained to the girls that their ovaries are still full of a reasonable number of eggs, but those eggs were, were there when they were born. There's probably about two million of them, and they're down to less than half a million now. And the time bomb is ticking even now, and probably one of the best things that they can do in their, you know, early twenties is to have a fertility test because some women will lose their fertility at a much faster rate than others and find themselves in their mid twenties with very little fertility. It's not many, but it's enough for me to be saying, please do get checked out. And the same with with the guys. I mean, the boys are, you know, happily pumping iron in the gym and as soon as they leave school they might well start to take testosterone online without realizing that far from making them more virile it might put the muscle on but it will totally destroy their sperm and and it's anabolic steroids are well known you know to destroy sperm so learning about your fertility and how to protect it is really important and also that we now have techniques to preserve your fertility so you know, we as women know that we've got a finite reproductive lifespan. Most women reach the menopause when they're around 50, but their fertility starts to decline 10 years earlier when they start to go into their, you know, 40s. So understanding that you've only got 20 years in which to have your your kids when you leave school is really important. And knowing that you can freeze your eggs... And that you know, by freezing your eggs, it's no absolute insurance that you'll have a child, but it certainly increases the odds a lot. And this is another area where I think businesses can start thinking about policies, you know, to help people freeze their eggs, and and we can also freeze sperm. So really, those are those are th- those are things that are, that have developed over the last few years that big companies are really now looking at and saying, well, we want to keep our You know, our women in the workplace, we want to let their careers develop. They want to know that they can still have children. Let's make sure we fund, you know a couple of cycles of egg freezing for them so they can rest assured and continue to progress Um, and and that's something you know that we're seeing more and more of.
1: I do think that's amazing that employers are really stepping it up. I remember the company that I worked for at the time didn't have any policies in place and so I was like rushing on the number seven bus to the Agora in my lunch hour, getting prodded and poked, and then quickly running back again and had a very supportive team around me but there wasn't a policy. And then I left to go into um, more public sector, private sector. Sorry, and they had this whole scheme around if you're going through fertility treatment, and there was like a support group that you could join because we had offices all over the UK, and you were given time off, and there was also funding, and it and it blew my mind if if that had been available to me. Also, because it opens the conversation up, and it does it does break that taboo at the same time. To your point of, you know, that what employers get in to talk about this and educate people. You kind of dis it's dispelling the myths and the rumors that people have around fertility and that we're not as fertile as we think we are there was a, a recent article about one in six will have challenges and I remember when I was going through my IVF process 10 years ago probably it was one in seven I, th- I think around that so we, it's getting worse absolutely and we're, we're talking about you know heterosexual couples in a relationship
2: so one in six will encounter difficulties and need fertility help but there's a whole a group of people from the LGBT community they're going to need fertility help to have a biological child they'll need donor sperm um, or they may even need a surrogate and all these things need to be talked about openly in the workplace because they will need as much support as those struggling to conceive because they, they won't be able to, to, to have a child without the help of a fertility clinic so it's making sure that those, those discussions are happening in a comfortable way and um, there will be people who feel awkward about it, which is why, you know, the the sort of work I've done has been online webinars within businesses where people can sign up. And they, you know, they're done over Zoom or whichever platform that business uses. And we decide on the topics that we want to cover. We talk about the tests that you need to have. The treatment options, we talk about some of the, you know, modern parenting options, those pathways, how to access the pathways. And then, the, you know, the employees can then go back and have a further discussion, you know, with HR about what they want. So, you know, the, the, the smaller businesses might focus on perhaps more of the support, the safe space, the conversations and the bigger you know the big businesses might have you know financial policies insurance policies you know tapping into some of the larger insurance companies to fund perhaps one or two ivf cycles and they could be making a real real difference you know to those who might otherwise just never be able to have children on the basis of finance
0: yeah. and i think that's that's something quite important there to take out what you said about actually whatever the whatever size of your business we can still adopt a, a policy for fertility can't we I think whether you're some small businesses out there they might think oh, I haven't got the finances to to support a fertility policy but actually it might not necessarily be a financial that you you can offer but certainly a safe space to do that certainly at webinars or whatever that looks like and and tackling the the taboo subject around it and just creating a space to be able to have that conversation even if that's part of a policy a small business i think that's something key for listeners to listen into is that actually even if you have a small business you can still have an impact and support that in some way
2: And, and hr having having the sort of information leaflets about how to get help so you know in sussex where can i access nhs help how, how do I go about it mm. and and that's that's the sort of thing which which doesn't take a lot of effort to put in place but could make a big big difference to somebody who just isn't getting any help from their GP
1: and it's interesting I said that regardless of the size of your business there are ways that you can support whether it's signposting as you say to where the NHS support is whether it's just providing the safe space and the, and giving people the time to go through the process because it is it's physical and it's emotional and so just being conscious of how you manage your employees during that period of time. We were talking about in preparing for this, you know, the impact if you're a small business and you've got someone going through infertility. how you kind of balance being able to be the best supporter to that person and mindful of how you continue your business throughout that. And I think there's definitely an easy balance because there is so much accessible, as you said, with the webinars that you can provide and that there are small If you're a small business, there are small steps that you can make. If you're a big business, you've got a lot more options available to you. But it's getting the message out there of this: these are the steps that you can take.
2: Yeah, and I think the the thing to to really get across is that in the workplace, if somebody has a bereavement, a family bereavement, or a friend bereavement, we kind of know what to do, Mm. and there's and there's support there, and everybody's tuned up. If somebody's had a miscarriage after IVF. There isn't that same support, yet it is the same grief that you would get from a bereavement. I know both of you have experienced that. And where was the support? It probably wasn't there because, well, that's a bit awkward. What do we say? You know, how do we start the conversation? So a bit of education around how to support your colleagues might be a good idea. That's, that's something simple to, to start looking
1: into. You're listening to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM
0: that's a great suggestion cuz i think look Ke- kelly my wife she's she's very open and she would talk about that 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 period of time especially after the miscarriage was a, a terrible period of time that we we went through and she was really down and, but again just didn't because she's so open she would talk about it with friends and actually that does then open a conversation and you find out how many more people have had miscarriages or go through and then you feel again back to you lindsay like by you speaking up and talking about your journey how many people have contacted you and gone oh, I'm going through something similar or oh, I went through that but come out the other end it just again I'll keep harping on about it but why it's so important to have these discussions and and, and open the conversation because the more we are open about it the, the more we'll be able to to you know find solution have that support network around us it's so important isn't it
1: if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Brighton Business Show on 97.2 FM, where we have the brilliant Carol Gooding-Smith here from the Agora, just offering our listeners some brilliant advice on how you can support yourself and your staff through the fertility process. We've had some really interesting talks about, you know, fertility is getting is getting worse, and so therefore the need is only going to get greater. So how can we keep how can we encourage people to control the controllables around them?
2: Well, I think this is this is a, a fascinating area because um, we. Have a lot of of tools at our disposals, and and you know much more it, much more emphasis now is being given to holistic care, and certainly that's something at the Agora we really we are passionate about. You know we 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 want to kind of envelop people in cotton wool. So when you are, for example, in a busy you know employment situation and you're trying to do fertility treatment, I think have a conversation with your consultant and the team supporting you about how you can reduce the pace of your work to manage it, to, to manage both things, the emotional and physical needs of your, of your fertility treatment, as well as carrying on your work. I do encourage people during an IVF cycle, which might involve six, seven appointments, to try and keep going with their work, but to take it down a pace, to make sure that they haven't got big projects and, and deadlines and things in the way. Not necessary to take, you know, three weeks off because it doesn't actually help. If you've got something going on in the background, it's actually quite helpful. It's quite therapeutic. And in place of those deadlines to really start looking at some alternative therapies, you know, it might be for some people, you know, a little bit of light, lightweight sport. But for others, it might be acupuncture. It might be um, meditation. It might be. Um, just making sure you have more time out with your friends, just to chat. That's that's what I would always suggest, and um, particularly during what we call the two-week wait, when you've had the embryo replaced and you're waiting for an outcome, not to leave that as a dead space, as a void. Um, just to fill it with 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 good things. You know, it might be a theatre trip, or a, you carry on working, but it might, you know, just a few things that make you feel positive, because. Um, you know, It's about that work-life balance, but it's particularly important to get it right during the fertility treatment cycle.
1: Yeah. So it's definitely about reducing, you know, stress isn't good for, any, for anything in the body, is it? And again, for business owners to think about how you can help balance those tasks for people to make sure that you're being as supportive as possible yeah. and being conscious of how you can distribute the work around if you've got someone that needs that extra support. And great about you know the whole holistic view I think more than ever we're very good and very conscious about mental health and what we need for ourselves you talk, you know, you talk about meditation whether that's going for a, a yoga session I mean Brighton's the best place isn't it if you want yeah. to do something holistic we've got you we've got you back in we've got you covered we've got you covered but again allowing that space and a lot of workspaces also are so conscious of mental health in, in the workplace that they do offer much more support than they've ever done before and it's yeah. almost like habit stacking isn't it in terms of this is what an average employee will go through in their life cycle at these points in time. Therefore, as an employer, you should be thinking about if your your staff are typically this age to this age and these genders, you will need to consider the following policies. And this is how we can we can support you in that, you know, with the Agora and the work that you're doing to get into workplaces and talk to people. And as you say, join, joining Zoom and being able to talk to as many people as possible absolutely and so
2: we you know we we've done a lot of work around this and we've created a buddy system so we try and buddy patients up with past patients who've been through the journey so that you know people just starting out have got some of that experience we do quite a lot of short video stories and patients come come forward say well i'm happy to tell my story and that really helps you know and then we've got fantastic counselors you know fertility counselors well trained but also we've got peer support groups you know fertility network uk um just last week we had the Kenton and group and and these are these are really important um areas that you 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 know all clinics really need to develop because it isn't just about offering scientific expertise you know what 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 makes the agora special and that is very much my passion is about the, the patient support in in or in every journey whatever that journey may be there will be different needs and it's being able to um to sense the needs and when the need arises to quickly put in that Emotional support and that's that's what my team are trained to do um, and and I think you know linking up with business is something we really like to do so that they you know the patients that come to us um, we're, we're kind of almost being in, in in symbiosis with a business saying yes we will take care of them for this bit but when when they're in the workplace you look after that part
0: yeah. I, I think it's really interesting I, I, I we talked about it on the podcast when me, when me and you recorded that before about actually that each touch point for, for me and our experience at the Agora there was each touch point was amazing from the failed round that we, we went through and then to pick us back up and then we go again and then but the support network there from from every single member of staff for me was was absolutely incredible and I think back to the point of what small businesses can do to signpost to to you guys just to have that sort of information and knowing that there's going to be some form of support network for people going through that is is incredible. I think it's um, yeah, it was a, it was just an amazing process for us, and obviously we had the outcome that we 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 wanted, which was 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 incredible. But just and back to the culture piece within a I guess within a company, which you've obviously achieved there with each member of staff, which is pretty phenomenal, really.
2: Yeah, no, and I think we 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 as a business took. Workplace well-being as one of our high priority areas mm. to focus on. So, you know, for for my staff, they they may not have an understanding of you know financial situations, and they may need financial support, or not not in terms of money, but in mm. terms of education. Mm. So it's linking up with a company that supports that and just in the same way businesses may want to tap into our you know free webinars for patients and say look you know twice a month they have a webinar on this why don't you sign up for one of these you know we'll give you time off just make, make sure you do it I and mean, most of them are in the evening or go along to that so just making people aware that that help is there mm. that initial start to find out more about your fertility health is there yeah. as, as part of your well-being program.
1: I think as well, hybrid working really helps this process. Again, kind of looking back at my own experience, if I'd have been at home half the time, that would have been much easier, being able to get to and from appointments or spending the time to be able to do the research into where I was signposted. That would have made a massive difference. So hopefully for employers and employees, it's already the way that culturally we've shifted how we work will also support the process.
2: We we, we now, virtually 90% of our consultations are virtual and really? and it's and and for this is one aspect of medical healthcare where it works really really well because for for couples it means that there's no stop work get in the car or get in the train go down to the clinic have an appointment two different people two different places half the day is gone virtual appointments are often done with two people in different work situations and find a convenient time and we have as good a conversation because we don't need to physically see you we need to talk to each other we need to see each other on on, on a zoom chat or whatever it is and we need to understand you know you, you you know the patient will need to understand you know if the cycle didn't work what didn't work what we're going to do about it we can we've got time to listen to you know concerns and and put in put all the information across there doesn't need to be a physical person in the room and the other thing that came through all the whole horror of lockdown was um home testing mm. we can test sperm at home Wow. You can you can take away one of our little boxes and the guys who often do not want to come into the clinic to test their sperm and find out if they've got an issue can have a home test, which we just post out to you. And you do the test at home. You take the little memory stick, you pop it into your phone and you have a result on your phone screen a couple of minutes later. It's pretty incredible. Wow, that is oh, That just blew my mind. Oh, no. I know. threw business. that in like it was nothing. That, yeah, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then... Um, Hormone testing. So you can do a little finger prick test at home and get your fertility hormone checked, uh, put it in the post. And then when you have your online consultation with a consultant at the Agora, we're discussing your home tests over Zoom and you've not had Mm -hmm. to walk into the clinic. So we we developed that obviously during the lockdown period, but it still remained our most popular option. So our our fertility MOTs, as we call Mm -hmm. them, checks out. You know either either just checks out the the woman or or both of you and and it's really really good and for same-sex female couples i often say if you're if you're planning to have treatment with us both get the test done because actually you might be the same age you might be 32 both of you one of you might have very low fertility and that will direct who is going to have treatment first and and as often as not you'll see it's not the older person that has the better has the worst fertility it can sometimes be the younger person so home testing has been great but fertility testing in general we you know with this whole being able to have the discussion online has
1: made it much much more accessible
2: without taking much time off work
1: it just really builds into our passion which is a sharing stories but also knowledge is power and just knowing that this can be so much more accessible and not so stressful or emotional because it's quite a big thing going into a facility clinic I remember that because you feel like everyone's looking at you you know you're sat in the the clinic together waiting for your appointment I remember feeling like I'd stolen someone's golden ticket because there was, you know lots of desperate people in that situation they really want to have a child and it's it's, it's an emotionally charged environment so to be able to protect yourself a bit from that when you're also emotionally charged it's really good to know.
0: Cause yeah, I guess there's that there's that point as well, isn't there? When you know when you're trying to get pregnant, and you seem everyone around you is pregnant, so friends and stuff. I remember Kelly going through that period where it, it seemed all of our friends were just getting pregnant. So actually, then going into an environment where you, you're not sure what's going on, and it's just it is just, like you said from the emotional drain side of it. So to and and from a bloke's point of view, I will speak openly. You know, it, it's uncomfortable going in and. Doing what you've got to do from a you know donating sperm in that sort of sense going into a clinic to be able to do that. So what a brilliant process to to be able to like you said I I was completely unaware of that. Obviously.
2: It is a starting point, and you know that doesn't mean to say you won't at some point yeah of you course like you have of to course. go in the clinic. But at least it it makes it easier that mm. first step mm. that first step. But I would also caution people against you know cheap online testing because a test is only as good in terms of knowledge as the person who interprets it and you know all of, all of our consultants you know extensive experience in fertility testing um, and I've had some people who said well my acupuncturist did my fertility testing and, and an acupuncturist with all due respect that they're, they're not medically trained to interpret hormonal results and and the whole story and i and i think it's really important when you get these tests done make sure that the tests are done properly and with uh you know an expert in fertility interpreting them because it, it, it may send you off in a completely the wrong direction if you're told something which is incorrect and i've seen this so many times particularly you know gps trying to interpret a sperm test result without really having that training um one of the things that that um, is so commonly um said to me is i've had my sperm test result but it, m- most of my sperm are, are abnormal that must mean i'm really infertile it says 95 percent of my sperm are abnormal and then i say well yeah that's the same as a donor a sperm donor has about 95 percent of their sperm abnormal so men make millions and millions and millions of sperm it takes about three months to make sperm and during that process, an awful lot of it isn't made very well. Mm. And that's fine, because as long as you've got 5% that's normal, then you've got perfectly good sperm. It's all about getting it interpreted by the right person. Mm. And if you try and interpret it yourself, or you go to the wrong person, you might come away thinking you're seriously infertile when you're not.
0: And that's the thing. Like, you, like what you just mentioned, knowledge. knowledge is power, isn't it? It's understanding that and getting that knowledge from experts, not just... Doctor Google and going on there and going, oh, just oh, this must mean I'm infertile. I'm not doing, you know, and maybe feeling less of a man, for example. And which I'm sure some men will go through that process, but actually speaking to experts, getting that knowledge, and going, oh, actually, I am in quite a good position potentially, and what that looks like, because that is uh, yeah, that's a key message for me. Yeah. It
1: goes back to that education piece, doesn't it, around stats, stats yeah. and facts. I Remember going through the process, and you know, for the fresh and frozen um The chances, you know, feel like a human science experiment when you're there and realising that, I think we were told like 25% of our eggs ex- aren't good enough for anybody. But you feel like such, you feel like a failure when you do it yourself and then, but understanding actually this is what's normal and this is where the outliers are. And actually we were normal in everything that we were going through. But when you first hear, it feels like you're, you're the problem and that you're the outlier and that education piece i think is so desperately important and as you said getting people young to say you just don't know it's, it's this is what you can do you can get fertility tests you know you can freeze your eggs you can freeze your sperm you can look after yourself you can think about what you're putting into your body look at the fact you know c- culturally we're saying women working in great jobs and they're not ready to have children just yet you know we're trying to have children much later what does that mean for us to your point you've got this sort of 20 year window which probably feels quite broad and big when you think oh 20 years i've got ages it's all fine (laughs) but if you're not getting tested and you're not preparing yourself with the right education as we're trying to get out actually you can really increase your chances or decrease them if you don't engage i think i think you're absolutely
2: right there because you know women women sort of don't realize that if you leave it till you're 40 you might be in the perfect relationship but your egg age is now quite old and from about the age of thirty-five, um, not only for the egg numbers reduced by by the age of thirty-five, then the genetics start to to go haywire. Um, by the time you're forty, half your eggs are genetically abnormal, and and that's why you know miscarriage goes up and fertility rates go down. So if we can actually encourage women to think about freezing their eggs, uh, you know the sweet spot is probably between sort of twenty-five and thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, anything up to thirty-five, you've got a really good chance. If you put, say, twenty eggs into the freezer, that might be one round of, of egg freezing for some, or two for, for others. You've got a greater than eighty-five percent chance of having at least one child. Wow! And that's a, that's a statistic, and wow. and it's and it's such a simple, you know, concept. It isn't without its risks. I mean, you have to take the injections. You've done it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what it's like. You have to take injections. You have to have an egg collection. But with the right clinic and the right support, it's not su- such a big hurdle. And if the business can be supportive behind it, then then you know then it becomes really a, a very realistic option. Mm-hmm. You know, just something that that certain companies may may say, well, actually, we're going to make this you know an option. We're going to to offer this as a lifestyle benefit. You know, very much as, as some people might choose a gym membership, this is something that people might actually opt for.
1: I think it's fascinating thinking about that in the workplace of how it could become something that attracts people or retains your good staff because you are a conscious employer that wants to support people. And as you said, this is kind of genderless as well. It doesn't matter who you want to have a child with, if you want to have a child this is the support that is available to you I would be intrigued to see when this becomes almost mandatory for organizations to put in support for people going through fertility as well as you know we talked about menopause and the impact of perimenopause and menopause on going through fertility too
2: Yes, and and, and certainly, you know, the the, the piece around freezing your eggs that, you know, Apple pioneered that for their staff, Google, you know, Facebook, all these really big companies, that's been, you know, that's been in place for a long, long time. But I think we're now seeing more UK companies offering this and and it's definitely something to to put on your list of discussions in the workplace to, to, to look at. But in terms of support, when people haven't conceived and they move on to the life beyond... Reproductive years into the menopause. There is a big buzz around menopause discussions in the workplace and again another another piece of of, of teaching that I've started to do and Since you know there is quite a bit of difficulty in getting support from the NHS and GPs. They are very much overworked That's another place where good good information good webinars can really support Mm. your staff and let's not forget and I always raise a few smiles when I said, let's not forget that there is a menopause. There is a menopause. And I we've see got, got to talk time about time the menopause in you. the workplace because actually energy levels drop, libido drops, all sorts of things happen. And the similar age group in men, and it is due to the decline in testosterone. and And if we don't talk about it, it's not recognized. And people just think what's happening to me but it's happening to lots and lots of guys and again
0: more 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 blokes we talk about mental health you talk about these sort of things that actually blokes find it really difficult to talk about and be open about these sort of things and you know we wouldn't blokes necessarily won't want to sit there and talk to another bloke i'm feeling a little bit like this but and we've got to open that conversation surely like we've got to change that narrative around that for, for blokes to just go, you know what? It's okay to be. This is. I'm getting older. This is where I am in life. I'm feeling a little bit low. I don't feel like this. I don't want to. You know, I just. It blows my mind to think that actually that narrative out there, that the barrier to men being able to speak openly, I think is. We've got to address that massively and i think actually again back to these type of things that we come on and talk about something that maybe that's another uh another episode
1: but in <laughs> menopause and
2: manopause for sure but in both situations talk about it and then there's some medical help yeah. and you could fix it not fix it necessarily 100 percent, but you can certainly improve it so dropping energy levels at the menopause or the manopause and dropping of self-esteem, all of these will affect your your employees' work output. Mm-hmm. You can do something about it. Yeah. Love
1: that. I really think it's – But we would love to do that as, an, as another separate show. But it's going back to the point of trusted advice when you're going through, you know, fertility, menopause, menopause. Understanding where you can go that you are going to get the right support. And as you said, you know, people trying to interpret hormone results who aren't qualified – Again, trying to push people into, this is, you know, we trust the Agora. Sam and I have gone through the Agora. We had really good experiences, different outcomes, which have been the best outcomes for us. But that was a trusted place and we can wholeheartedly recommend it. So we want to really be able to signpost our listeners to trusted medical advice in these situations and it's great that you're so open to support people and do these webinars and and covering all different topics this isn't just about fertility there's so much related to fertility I feel like it's a conversation that we really need to continue opening up that we don't want this to be a one and done conversation we'll definitely follow up on it mm. to just encourage you know employers and employees to just be more open and if you're an employee to ask your employer for help and as an employer this is what we've got available for you and we'll put all of the details onto our social media and on our LinkedIn as well so that people have access to it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: We're coming to the end, Carol. Thank you so much for coming with us. Before we go, so we've talked about people definitely getting some tests. The controllables are testing. Well, people having a
2: fertility MOT is a good starting point. Fertility Nice I and easy, uh, relatively cheap, easy to access, phone the Agora, we're there, we we can organise that and sometimes people will prefer home testing or come to the clinic, whichever they prefer. Fantastic new centre, all bright and shiny I think Sam Sam will tell you that, it's it's lovely there It's an amazing amazing place and and easy to to get to Um, That's step number one Um, Do visit the website because uh, I write it myself and there's lots of information there about the different tests, about the different treatments but probably more importantly join one of our free webinars um, open evenings, webinars. We have specific, you know, webinars on different subjects: egg freezing, um, you know, fertility for couples trying to conceive, and LGBT parenting, donor parenting. So, just choose a webinar and get more information, and then see where that takes you. Because we, we we follow up our webinars with free short Q and A's with a expert, you know, with our consultant experts. So, it it will help obviously get you on the road if, if if that's what you want to do or if you want to just find out more and then take a, press the pause button, have a bit of a think about it and come back to it a year year's time, at least you've got the information.
0: I, th- I think for me as well, what I've taken out of this a lot as well is that actually don't be afraid in, in your mid-twenties to to go and have a fertility MOT and find out a little bit more information about. because like you said, back to the knowledge is power, I know I keep harping on about that. It's and, true. But that is it, isn't it? If we... I go back to our own experience and had we had more knowledge when in our mid-twenties, maybe we had a different, completely different path and I think that's a really key thing for our listeners to take away from that.
1: And, for lo- and specifically for local businesses to know that you are there to also yeah. be able to, do, they can access those webinars and share them with their staff but they can also access you and they might want to do something bespoke in which case... Absolutely, we love to do that. Just w- get in touch.
2: And what's the website address? It's uh, www.agoraclinic.com Doctor co fantastic,
0: amazing.
1: Carol, thank you so much.
0: Carol, it's been amazing that uh, you know we do lots together, and it's lovely as always to chat to you. And I'm so grateful for your time. So thanks for coming on and sharing with our listeners. It's been a, it's been amazing as always.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I have really enjoyed myself. And come
1: yeah. back for the menopause, manopause, please. I'll, I'll <laughs> Absolutely, be there. I'll be
0: there. Watch your space. <laughs> lovely. And you've been listening to ninety-seven point two FM Radio Reverb. This is the Brighton Business Show, Lindsay. Sam, Wow. What did you think of that?
1: That was amazing. I mean, as someone that has gone through that process and it hasn't worked, I'm just so thrilled that there is so much more support. How much has changed during COVID, just the whole holistic view around what happens and as someone that it didn't work for to just really promote that it's great when you go through it and if it doesn't work there's still hope and there's still support for you
0: yeah, i love that and the same i guess for, for me as well I, I agree like we obviously went through and our outcome was different and it was a, a positive one in the sense that we got what we, we got two children and we got our twins and and that is a miracle and they gave us hope where there was none and amazing the whole process but you're right same thing really taking away the fact that that how things have changed so much even Cavill mentioning about doing the zoom calls that you're able to have these appointments without actually going to the clinic and doing stuff home testing and
1: getting tested at home that even that part just blew my mind i think just the amount of statistics and facts that we learned in that very short session mm-hmm. have completely enlightened me and i think it's so important for listeners to to educate themselves and to know how much good support is out there for you
0: mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely what would what, you main key takeaway would you say? Well
1: the thing that I love about this show that we've done is you know, we've come at this from the angles of, you know, from a male perspective, from a female perspective, from someone that it worked for, from someone that it didn't work for. The important thing for me is that this in this fact impacts, impacts anybody who wants to have children. So this isn't a straight game, you know, we talked about the LGBT community. Also there's loads of reasons why people might want to go for fertility treatment that might be health related. And so this really is a message to absolutely anybody and everybody who wants to have children to just know that there is there is support out there for you mm. and you know we have both used the agora clinic and so we'd highly recommend them so to to educate yourself and just know it's you're never too young to test and see what's happening and so so control the controllables that you have in your power mm. and we've learned today that there is so much more in your
0: power than we realized 100 percent agree i think that that piece for me actually from a young age actually and having a, as, as Carol referred to it, as a fertility MOT, but actually getting that back to what we really believe here on, on the Brian Business Show is that knowledge is power. And actually, at a young age, if you can go and f- seek that advice, um, you can make changes and into your life
1: and from and in, you know the other thing we wanted to make sure we do on the show is we want to give the knowledge to both business owners so that you can create and maintain better businesses and be fantastic employers and for employees to know you know what your rights are and how you can support the businesses that you work for to be their their absolute best so i would definitely say as an employee don't be afraid to ask your employer mm. for help
0: yeah i agree i think look my my main a big takeaway for me is actually looking at, uh, from a business point of view, whatever size of your business, we should be looking at a fertility policy. whatever that. Look, Whether you're a huge company that can really financially support someone, amazing. If you're a really small company just starting out and you've got a... Uh, but if you still can have a fertility policy, whether that is just signposting to the Agora Clinic, whether it is just signposting to other forms of education, but... Or... Being open to be able to talk about it within the workplace, I think that's where for me, um, it's really, really key. And I think I took that massively away. I thought it was really important
1: because we talked in the beginning about how we're not afraid to talk about taboo subjects in the workplace, whether mm. that affects just a business owner or your employees. And interesting, you know, talking to Carol, it it shouldn't be a taboo subject fertility is getting worse so we're, we're only going to have to talk about this more and people are only going to need more support so i think you're right as business owners we can get on the front foot of this to really support our workforces then there is so much we can do from from very small signposting to you know being able to fund an ivf cycle if you're a big enough company that must feel incredible as an employer to be able to do that but if you can't do that there are there are so many options out there for you but we need to break the taboo around this it's normal so many people have challenges having children like it's more weird if you happen straight away you know it seems to be like the new normal is it doesn't work straight away
0: Uh, that for me 100% it's exactly that it is almost more normal it's going to be potentially problems potentially fertility issues so let's address it early let's educate people let's share some of that knowledge so
1: and it will affect you emotionally and and you know physically and mentally this is this is a big process to go through whatever stage you are at mm. and again just ensuring that we can provide the best support possible out there and we will sign this to everybody all across our social media so remember to look us up radioreverb.com you'll find a brighton business show on there we're also on linkedin my name is lindsay clay i'm sam thomas And you've been listening to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM.